Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for May 25. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Over the last 20 years or so, God's people have been increasingly put on the defensive about their faith. In a climate where people of faith are dismissed as intellectually inept, many are fearful of speaking up about their faith. Come with me to a very important scene that occurred on the day Jesus rose from the dead, recorded by John the Gospel writer in chapter 20, starting at verse 19. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That Sunday evening, the first day of the week, Jesus suddenly stood in the midst of his disciples. John doesn't explain how Jesus came to be there. He simply records, Jesus stood. Last time the disciples had seen him, he was wounded and bleeding, racked with pain, dying on a cross. When they'd seen a spear thrust in Jesus' side and the fluid that had flowed, they knew he was truly dead. And yet here he was, not weak and limp, but tall and erect, standing, speaking the very words he had uttered at the Passover meal, Peace be with you. And to prove he was physically alive and not a ghost, significantly he shaved them, his hands and his side. Bewildered and confused, though they doubtless were, they knew, utterly amazing miracle though it was, that Jesus was truly alive again. Peace be with you, he repeated. At the Passover meal he had promised, My peace I leave with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. In a world of turmoil and injustice, the peace that Jesus held out to his followers had not been meaningless comfort. His resurrection was now proof of that. Overjoyed, they still couldn't fully grasp what was happening. It was so surreal, it was like a dream. But then, as G.K. Chesterton once rightly observed, truth is stranger than fiction. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, Jesus continued in verse 21. These were challenging words to men who moments before were bewildered and fearful. More than once they had heard Jesus say, As the Father has sent me, but now he was drawing them into his work as well. What me? they may have immediately thought. He was giving them a job to do. As I was sent, so now I am sending you. Jesus had been sent to speak God's words in person to the world, 
supremely he had been sent to be lifted up on a cross at Calvary to rescue humanity. Now he was sending his disciples, and in turn his people, to announce Jesus to the world. But they would not be alone. They need not be fearful. They would experience the peace of Christ at every twist and turn along the way. And with this commission, John tells us, Jesus breathed and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If they are retained, they are retained. There are two very different interpretations of Jesus' words here. The Roman Catholic Church understands these words to apply only to priests. They alone have the power to forgive sins through the confessional. However, the Protestant Church teaches that any Christian can hold out God's forgiveness by encouraging others to turn to Jesus Christ in repentance, asking for His forgiveness. John's record of Jesus' words and actions here is very important. We should notice that Thomas wasn't present, and that John's Gospel doesn't record the events of Pentecost and the specific coming of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, it's very significant that the verb, Jesus breathed, does not have an object, despite many English translations. This indicates that Jesus' action in giving the Spirit was not just for the disciples, nor just for ministers, but for all his people throughout time. It suggests that in the same way that God breathed life into all men and women at creation, as we read in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, Jesus, the Word of God, the Life-Giver, as we read in John chapter 1, now breathes his Spirit, the Spirit of his Father, into the life of all who turn to him. Paul the Apostle draws this out when he says, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We read this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. To return to sins retained and forgiven. Jesus' words retained and forgiven are verb forms that indicate decisions with a fixed and final outcome. Further, being in the passive voice, the verbs indicate that it is not humanity, but God, who retains or forgives sins. John's Gospel announces the news that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, so that anyone who believes in him will have life in his name, as we read in John chapter 20 and verse 31. This draws together the narrative theme that Jesus was sent to be lifted up for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life for all who believe. We read that in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, and also in John chapter 12 and verse 32. People of the first century needed to hear the news, as do all of us in the 21st century. John's record of Jesus' resurrected appearance and his promise of peace, his commissioning of his disciples, and the gifting of his Spirit is most important. From the time of Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, the disciples were terrified. Now he was commissioning them, empowering them with his peace, and equipping them through his Spirit 
for the task of announcing the good news of God's offer of forgiveness, and with it, life eternal. It's a section of John's Gospel that we cannot ignore. We all have the wonderful privilege of being sent by Jesus to play our part in announcing His good news. What me, you say? Yes, all of us. Because Jesus is the risen Lord, we have no reason to fear. We have His peace. We also have His Spirit at work within us, and at work in the world, unstopping deaf ears, opening blind eyes, and softening hard hearts. Do you really believe this? So we need to pray, for ourselves and for our family and friends. Let me also encourage you to check out the Word One-to-One, an annotated version of John's Gospel that anyone can use to introduce others to God's good news, perhaps over coffee. You can find the detail at the website www.theword-and-the-numbers-121. So it's alphanumeric, thewordone.com. And please let us know here if you'd like to join a session meeting with Richard Borgonon, the founder of the Word One to One. So let me pray. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us desolate, but send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to where our Saviour Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for evermore. Amen. You may also want to listen to Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death from Keith and Kristen Getty and Matt Papa. You can find it at gettymusic.com. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in you what is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.